but I waited and I thought, I can't do less than what I believe God's got for me. And it's so easy to settle just for the sake of the outcome. It's true in jobs. It's true in careers. It's true in relationships. It's true in everything that we do. And I believe I'm an Ephesians 3.20 woman. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think or hope for. The Amplified says infinitely beyond our highest thoughts, prayers, hopes, and dreams. And that's the way I want to live for whatever I'm waiting for, whatever I'm going for. And that's what God has for us. And so we don't settle. We'll know it when we see it. It'll be better than what we hope for. And that's how we know it's our God. When you find yourself between here and there, the now and the then, it can feel difficult to embrace life and all that it has to offer, especially when you feel like you haven't arrived yet. Wherever you're at though, we wanna help in that beautiful struggle of transitioning well through aspects of faith and life with The Places Between, a podcast all about transitions. Hi, I'm your host, Wendy. I'm a storyteller and a creative with a passion for adventure, fitness, and faith. What began as a love for travel, experiences, and community turned into helping clients around the country tell their own stories and inviting others to join them. I've always been passionate about people fully living. That means navigating those places between, opening up a safe space to have conversations and encouraging growth along the journey. So join me as we explore what it's like to transition well on the places between. I'm so excited to dive into today's show, as I just know it will be a treat for anyone tuning in. Someone who has incredibly relatable presence and wisdom that we can all benefit from, I'm excited to introduce you to Lynette Lewis. Her career journey has taken her from PR and fundraising at a major university to the Senior Marketing Leader for National Women's Initiative at Deloitte & Touch in New York City. The author of several books, Lynette's books are written from experience, and she really is a beacon of hope for the twists and turns and navigating the places between. She's been featured on the Today Show and other national broadcasts. Lynette's a TEDx speaker, one of John Maxwell's Maximum Impact speakers, and for the last 25 years, she's been helping people just like you know their purpose, and live their dreams. It's so evident that her life and her ministry is covered with purpose, meaning, and joy. Lynette just has a way of offering hope and help for navigating the sometimes rocky pathway to love and living your dreams, both professionally and personally. You'll get to discover that she lives with her husband, Ron, in New York City. They have young twin daughters, and they have four grown sons and three grandchildren. And I'm so thrilled to bring this conversation to you today. So why don't you pull up a chair, grab that cup of coffee, and dive in with us to The Places Between. Lynette, it is so great to connect with you. I love how the internet works. (laughs) Well, Wendy, I love connecting with you too. I 
have just enjoyed our interactions and getting ready for this moment and just really feel very much like a kindred spirit already. So thank you so much for having me. I feel very honored to be with you. Oh, absolutely. Well, the privilege is all mine, so I count it the same. Let's start right away with just who is Lynette sharing a bit about you. I've already briefed listeners with a little bit of your background and your bio, and I just have to say your heart for others is so apparent, especially even on Instagram. So first plug, if you guys are not following Lynette, you need to go and do that right now. And just specifically encouraging those that are in waiting. And it's just so evident in how you how you show up to support others. And I would just love for you to share in your words. Tell us a little bit about Lynette. Thank you. And it really is my heart to encourage, especially those that are waiting. It's a funny thing. I don't think, well, first of all, I never expected to wait as long as I did for so many of the things that really have become dreams come true. It's, I think when we start kind of, especially in our teen years and in our early twenties, we start envisioning kind of what's going to happen in our lives. We have our own sense of timing. And I've just been shocked, quite honestly, at how much waiting I've had to do. And you look back later and realize that everything was right on time. But I think most of us feel like we wish it would speed up a little bit in some category of our lives. And it's always different for all of us. But I'll give you a quick mini version of kind of my journey that included a lot of waiting that hopefully all those that are listening will relate to some of this. So after I got out of college, I was a television major at Oral Roberts University, which is where I went in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I really wanted to go into television in some way, had in mind that I would be kind of the next Kathy Lee Gifford or someone like that. But as happens to so many of us, I was out of school for about three months. I was working temp jobs, trying to find my permanent job. And I ended up getting an offer at the temp agency. And so I went to work there for about three years. And then, and now I'm kind of getting into my mid-20s. And then I went back to ORU, my alma mater, and ended up working there. And my career journey was progressing, but even in that progression, there were seasons of waiting. For instance, I took the job with a small pay cut, thinking and being told that you'll do this assistant alumni director position for about a year, then we're going to promote you to alumni director. Well, I was all about that wonderful woman that hired me. I thought I can take a pay cut for a year. And within the first year, this wonderful woman who I'm still very close to, who'd been there 17 years. She left the university. And isn't that how it goes? We get these surprise gifts, right? We like to call them gifts, but they feel like booby prizes or consolation prizes at at times. And so now the person that had made me the promises was gone. And now I stayed as assistant alumni director. I always say that's the day that someone else got the title and I got the job. And so now I'm waiting for a number of years to get promoted to alumni director. I mean, I thought, and I kept saying to myself and to the Lord, okay, I'll be gone soon anyway. Not that I was mad, but just that new doors will open up. And oh, by the way, I'm sure I'm going to meet my husband any day now. I'm in my 20s and I'll get married. My personal life will take off. Well, um, I ended up staying at ORU for 10 years. I think it was after seven years, I finally got a promotion and still no husband in sight. Meanwhile, while I'm in my waiting season, it seems like all my other friends are living my dreams. They're meeting their spouses. They're starting to have kids. And 
keep in mind, I think we all relate to this, that I didn't not love my life. My life was a sweet gift in many respects, but I was waiting for things that I thought would happen sooner. And there's this angst we can get into in ourselves of like, what's wrong? You know, and then all our friends, well-meaning friends try to help us, right? Well, maybe this would change or maybe that would change. Anyway, so I'll speed to the end and then I'll let you ask me any questions you want. But so I ended up being at ORU for 10 years. Then I went to work for a big consulting firm, accounting a consulting firm called Deloitte. And I spent eight years there, thought it'd be a year or two, and moved to New York City with my job. That was another dream that was really I was wondering, is this God? Is this me? I had the bug to move to New York, didn't know anybody, had no connections, but the Deloitte job ended up transferring me to New York. So I end up in New York City. Now I'm like 38 years old, still no husband in sight. My best friend who I met in college, Tony, we're still the dearest of friends. She has 10 children. 10 children. My goodness. So Tony's having all these children. I'm thinking, can I just have a husband, Lord? You know, I'll take one husband, but she's got all this. And so often that's how we feel, right? See, it happening for so many other people. But I end up in New York City and worked for Deloitte for eight years. And about a year or two after I'd gotten here to New York, still live in New York, 9-11 happened September 11th. And I should have been in the middle of the whole thing. And the Lord's hand of grace took me out of the city that morning of 9-11, or else I would have potentially been right in the middle of the chaos. And a couple of days after 9-11, a couple of pastors were coming into the city to help. And one of those was Ron Lewis, who I ended up becoming very dear friends with over the next couple of years. And we realized God was putting us together, got married on our wedding day. He gave me four teenage boys. So I caught up to Tony right in one group there. And then we have our own little twin girls, which we adopted nine years ago. So lots of other things happened and I'll, I'll let, let us interact here as we're together. But in short, the waiting was so long. But the end fulfillment was so worth every tear, so worth every angst, so worth the unknowns and the moments where we're so tempted to give up on the dream, to give up on God, to feel like what's wrong with me. But now you get to be my age now and you look back and you go, thank you, Lord, that you did it your way and not mine. Because. The last chapter of my book is different than what I thought, better than what I imagined. And so much of life is exactly that. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. Well, and so many people can relate to that, even just looking back on their lives of saying, I think about that all the time. God, thank you so much for protecting me of what I thought I wanted. Right. And I had shared this with you offline about reading your first book. I believe at the time that I had read it, I had just gone through a devastating heartbreak and the book seemed to be right what I needed. Like God knew that that's exactly what I needed. So I'm reading this book about this woman, as we know, as you now, and I'm thinking she's planning her best friend's seventh baby shower and moving to New York, hosting dinner parties with people that have different life preferences and just going, God, never in my wildest dreams did I think I would be here, but that's how God led you to your now husband. And 
it's just such a unique, beautiful story that makes us think, oh, if God could do that for them, they could, God could do that for me. Right. So your story gives us hope that God is still working behind the scenes in the waiting. Let me ask you at this point. So when you moved to New York, how were you choosing to embrace this different pathway? I often say that I have bipolar prayers that are very similar right. to David's that are like, help me, God, where are you? But then I'm also oh, yes. like, ah, I believe in your faithfulness. So again, how would you choose to embrace that different pathway? What was that like for you? Well, I do think, Wendy, that we all have those dilemmas. You know, we feel this and there's there's this sense of helplessness that we feel when we're waiting because we, especially if we're make it happen kind of people, make it happen women, we want to put our dreams in motion. We want to go milk the season for what God has for us. However, I've found that so often the mysteries that are a part of our waiting are waiting answers. We're not going to have the answers now. I used to say to the Lord, if you'll just tell me how long it is, I'll wait as long as it takes. I just don't like this not knowing, right? Like, should I be holding back on certain things? Should I be aggressively moving forward? I mean, I had people tell me everything that we hear, right? Well, maybe you're too bold and you're intimidating to men or, Mm -hmm. and we're talking specifically about waiting for a spouse, or maybe you just need to get out there more. You're, You're not known enough to potential guys. You know, everybody will give you the solutions. I added it up one day, by the way, People really tried to fix me up on blind dates and I added it up one day. I, I did an average. I played it very conservative um, and added up how many years I've been waiting and how many blind dates and whatever. 65 blind dates, 65. Mm-hmm. And I underestimated based on all my formulas. And I thought, well, okay, it makes me feel a little better that I feel like it's been a lot, but then obviously it's not working for me. And of course, now I look back and I think, Goodness, you know, Ron and my sons and the whole scenario that involved them, it's his own story, powerful story, but he wasn't ready. The situation just wasn't ready for me yet. And my assignment was my assignment, but the assignment wasn't ready. And if you are in a waiting season and you're listening to this today, be confident that there is more to your story than what you see. We're part of a bigger story, a bigger script that involves other people. Every relationship in particular has a ripple effect and it has to do with timing and the kingdom of God and what you're prepared for, what you're going to do and the timing of your children when they're born. You know, there's so many things. But one of my great tools that I found worked for me in the waiting, when you ask the question, what did I do while this one dream was on hold? And it's really just go live your other dreams. Go big on those things that are in your hands right now. For me, that was my career. I got really active in the community, served in the junior league and on boards and created and cultivated so many skills and really even tools that are now a very big part of my career, a big part of what I speak on and teach on. And and I think about how had I not been pushed that direction by virtue of some of the other things being on hold, I wouldn't have got those gifts either. And one of the tragedies would be to put everything kind of on hold and feel like we're just treading water and not go into the fulfillment of a dream, feeling like we maximized what we'd been given. And I was just bent on that. Like, if I'm waiting on this, I'm going to maximize that. And it's almost like it takes over your heart so that you don't feel cheated. You actually feel gifted 
by what you're getting in your season. And that really, really helped me. Wow. That's so good. Well, and I firmly believe that singleness shouldn't define us or it shouldn't define others, but our culture doesn't make it easy to turn that blind eye of like, that's not my reality, but it's true. you know, single or not. And if you're in a lifelong committed relationship or perhaps even several years in, we all deal with emotions of feeling powerless or hopeless or even that evil like comparison. Yes. It could be a job situation that we have no idea how to change or a difficult relationship or even the lack of, or for some people, maybe it's a financial issue of, right. Like I feel stuck. I know that you talked a little bit about this in your book, but how would you encourage somebody in the midst of feeling powerless or hopeless in life? Yeah, I think that one of the real key factors in that is being in community, like having relationships that are rich and diverse. Well, I was single for many years, but I had a lot of married friends. I had Mm -hmm. other single women friends that I could hang out with, single guy friends. There was this community and this feeling of belonging, very active in my church, where every time we go to church, we're reminded that we are part of a bigger storyline. We're part of the kingdom of God. There are other initiatives happening. And it really put in perspective, I think, some of my own feelings of awkwardness in, like you said, being single or maybe feeling like I was one of few. When I got in a larger context, I realized that that happened to be part of my story at the time. But there were others who, there were married friends of mine who they got married very young. They thought they were going to have a season of singleness or to focus on their career. And now they're, they've traded that for other things. And so together we help each other realize, wow, keep celebrating the gifts that you have. You have certain gifts I've got gifts that are coming with our season and let's just embrace and celebrate them all because it's so funny, Wendy, when things change, I remember not too long after Ron and I got married, we got back from our honeymoon and I moved in with he and the boys and now my new life is starting. And about two weeks after we were married, I remember waking up one morning thinking, hmm, so this is it. I've waited all these years and it wasn't a negative. It wasn't like I'm disappointed in any way. I was thrilled. It was great, but I was shocked how it so felt pretty much the same. And I realized it's because most days when I wake up, it's me and Jesus. It's me and the Lord. I've got a wonderful husband. I've got great kids and I love our family life, but I am a steward over Mm -hmm. my life, my dreams, what I feel called to do and be. And I interact with their stories, but at the end of the day, I'm still me and Jesus. And I was so grateful for the years where that's who I really only had as far as intimate, close relationship was the ultimate relationship, which is our relationship with the Lord. And I'm so glad that I didn't miss that because I need it the same even though I'm now I'm and I'm a mother and all those other things that I wanted for so long. So we don't waste time no matter what our station is. Wow. And that's all so good. It reminds me of cultivating the stuff that God's put on our heart before. You know, I've heard several examples of people that have been like, I put off buying a house. I put off buying bed covers, <laughs> like, even 
I put off going on the dream travel vacation, not necessarily vacation, but they always wanted to explore like Scotland or something. Right. And because they thought they would miss meeting their person. And yet I think that God wires that into us of like, I've created you with this heart's desire. There's a reason I want you to go after this stuff. And like what you said, and that's actually how I got drawn into you is somebody else shared your post of like, maybe what you're waiting on isn't ready yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's true. For your husband, had you had met him five years earlier, he for sure wouldn't have been ready. It's true. I like to think of it in terms of gifts. You know, when you're a parent, you give your children gifts. And when they're little, all they care about is, I want what she has. My little Mm -hmm. twin girls who are nine years old, they're twins. And so people will say, do you want to get everything alike? And now they're kind of, they have their own taste. But nonetheless, if she's getting a sweater, you better get the other one a sweater or else they'll feel like they got cheated. Mm -hmm. But with my older sons, when they're older, they don't want to get the same thing. They feel like you didn't take any time to customize it. You're just like shoving us all into wanting the same thing. And that is so often how we are with our prayers to the Lord. We look at someone else and think, well, why don't I have that? And yet I really, I was struggling with this one day. I was looking at some of my friends who are speakers or do what I do. And I was noticing that a couple of them were speaking at this conference and I was kind of like, oh, I wish I was included or whatever. And I honestly quite my heart. And I felt like the Lord said to me, do you not like what I've given you? And almost like I would say, if the boys were all like looking around, comparing their gifts, I would feel sad because I put so much time in buying them something I thought they would want. And I think the Lord feels that way at times and that we need to celebrate what he's given us because it's not just he's busy with everyone else. I'm getting the leftovers. Actually, God was lavishing my life in things that now I have the ability to treasure at the full amount. But at the time, it often felt like he was busy with everybody else and I was a bit ignored. There's a line in my book, and I would say this about you, Wendy, but I'm going to say it for a, a whole bunch of other people listening. You're set apart, but not aside. You're set apart, but not aside. When you feel set aside, we feel ignored. I don't have enough for you. But when we're set apart, it's a place of preference. And I would just say, if you are waiting and you're, you're sold out to the Lord and you believe that your life is His, then if you're waiting, you're not set aside, you're set apart. And He's got gifts that are set apart for you. And you'll see later how perfectly timed they really were. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. I also think that that's more evidence and more reason not to throw in the towel too early. I see so many people give up and it's like, no, don't give up. What if your breakthrough is literally tomorrow? Oh, yes. I mean, it's just after I married Ronna, you know, we've had such a wonderful, we've been together 18 years now, married 18 years and amazing journey, just such a joy. But I think about how I traded great single life for great married life. And I'm so glad I didn't trade for just the wedding ring and just a husband. But I waited and I thought, I can't do less than what I believe God's got for me. And it's so easy to settle just for the sake of the outcome. It's true in jobs. It's true in careers. It's true in relationships. It's true in everything that we do. And I believe I'm an Ephesians 3.20 woman. God is able to do exceedingly 
abundantly above all we ask or think or hope for. The Amplified says, infinitely beyond our highest thoughts, prayers, hopes, and dreams. And that's the way I want to live for whatever I'm waiting for, whatever I'm going for. And that's what God has for us. And so we don't settle. We'll know it when we see it. It'll be better than what we hope for. And that's how we know it's our God. Wow. I love that. And you know, what's funny is I didn't even tell you this. I took it out of my notes. My life verse is Ephesians 3.20. So much so that it's tattooed around my arm. Oh, is that not amazing? He does stuff like that where he confirms exactly what you need to hear. Or for me, it's like every time I wash my hands, I get to look down and be reminded it's his power. It's his power through me. And God gives us the ability to dream bigger than what we can imagine because he can do more than we can imagine. Right. So I would love to switch gears just a little bit to talk through one of your other books, Climbing the Ladder in Stilettos. Climbing the Ladder in Stilettos. That was actually my first published book. I was working at Deloitte here in New York City and had gotten very involved with John Maxwell. They had actually reached out to me about possibly being part of his very, very first speakers bureau that he was putting together. He's done a lot of that since then. And they worked with me on putting together a book proposal and all of that and never really planned to write a book, but by that point had done so much professionally. And they said, let's write the book that you wish someone would have given you in your 20s. And so we put it together. It's done great. Been around the world talking about those concepts. Was just doing a presentation this morning here in New York to New York Bar Association about really extending your career, maximizing your career finding your purpose in life, and then connecting it to the job you have now. And I'm very, very big on that where we don't have to. So many of us think during the great resignation with COVID or other moments where we think I really just need to start over, start my own business. And I'm a big believer that you look through the lens of your life purpose at the job, at the career you have now, no matter if you're waiting tables, no matter if you're a stay-at-home mom raising little babies right now, through that lens of your purpose, you begin to map out the future that you dream about. And those, a lot of those tools are in my book. And it's just been really fun to see. I didn't want to write a Christian book per se, really wanted to write a book lot similar to how John Maxwell does his books where anyone in the general marketplace could read it. And it's been fun to watch God open just so many doors in the marketplace. Got to do a TED talk, got to do just a number of things professionally in the corporate world. It's really my passion is for people in the corporate world, even though I'm a pastor's wife and married to someone who's been full-time in the ministry. That's my passion. And so the book became a really neat kind of surprise tool for making that happen. That's so incredible. Well, and I know that through the book, you talk about how important it is to find your life's like your purpose statement. So funny story, probably 10 years ago, I'm on a flight to go see a girlfriend. She's getting married and I was flying out to see her, but I oftentimes take plane ride time to journal and talk to God and kind of just, you know, I'm, I'm in the sky, so I'm already at a high level, but it's like a high level view of life. Oh, I love, I'm the same way. I always get a window on the plane because I feel like I'm getting a bird's eye view of life at that moment. Yes, absolutely. Well, so I'm 
frantically writing in my journal, pouring out my heart going, God, am I crazy for wanting to leave my current job? At the time, I had a really fantastic job in the Christian music industry that everybody else would think, you're crazy to want to leave this. But I just felt so compelled to want to tell people stories more through video. And I didn't quite have a purpose statement, but as next to Audible as possible, I feel like I heard the Lord say, no, I want you to be a voice for the voiceless and communicate stories of hope in a broken world. And it was like, I couldn't write fast enough. And yet it just, now I look at my life and I feel like that comes out in so many different forms of just where I find myself working and how I help different clients and So to turn that even back on you, what is your purpose statement and why would you suggest that others create one? Well, this is one of my very favorite questions and it's been really so much of my life's work in the last 20 years. And well, I'll share my purpose statement with you in just a minute, but a quick story about how I came to write my purpose statement. And I love what you just described on how that flow came to you. Right after the events of 9-11, I was walking, our offices had been displaced to the Midtown Marriott Marquis Hotel. And I'm walking down the hall and I remember thinking, no one at the firm has any idea why I'm really here. They don't know what my passion is. They don't know that I'm going out on weekends and evenings to speak. At the time I was speaking in churches and youth groups and conferences, singles conferences, the the very subject I never wanted to speak on, (laughs) but it was great. And I'm doing all this very, very frequently, but no one really here with my job knows that I'm doing this. And I thought, I got to get serious about writing my life purpose statement so that I can connect everything I'm doing into one whole. And so I did that. I voraciously studied, read all about purpose, became kind of a student of it, and then wrote my purpose statement, which is, still to this day, my purpose is to inspire and motivate others to know their purpose and live their dreams. And nothing on my job description had anything to do with that, which is normally the case with a purpose statement. It's a broad kind of vision statement. But what it allowed me to do, Wendy, is I started looking through the lens of that purpose Mm. through the firm, Deloitte at the time, at my job description and started assessing what are those activities, projects, people that relate more to what I love to do. And that view, that vision through the lens of purpose started pointing me to new projects. It helped me accentuate what I was extra good at and move increasingly away of things that were fine, but weren't necessarily on purpose for me. I took it to my team. I had two marketing people report to me at the time. They loved it. Before long, I took it to HR and we were chatting about it one day and they said, would you be willing to do a pilot program? And it was one of those moments where I'm saying yes, but I'm thinking, how do I do a pilot? I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm talking like I'm the big pro at this point. So sure enough, we did a pilot. And by the way, interesting little note When I went back to my boss, who was the head of marketing, and I told him, you know, I was so excited. They want me to do this pilot. It fit fit with my purpose to help people find their purpose. He was like, absolutely not. It's not core to your job. My top people, I can't loan you to HR for this. And so I was really bummed. And I went home that night and I thought my whole premise in doing my purpose is I'm always a win-win person. How can I create a win-win? So I went back in a day or two later and I said, tell you what, if I create this pilot on my own time, 
nights and weekends, do not use company time for it. Would you at least allow me to deliver the pilot as let's call it my training and development or my learning experience? Well, he went for it. He said, okay, sure. You got to keep me posted. So I'm developing this pilot program on how to help people know their purpose and connect it to Deloitte, the job they have now. Wendy, what God was giving me was my own content. The fact I was doing it on my own made it my content and not Deloitte's content. Well, we rolled it out through an HR program, got rave reviews, started rolling it out to all these other teams at Deloitte. And now 20 years later, it's my program. We call it My Why. It's helped hundreds and thousands of people around the world write their life purpose and connect it to the job they have now. And that was an emanating from my own moment of desperation. And you never know how you're in a catalyst moment when you think you're at a most discouraging moment. And God was doing that all for me. It's just still, I feel very humbled by the whole thing. Wow. That's incredible. And even just to think of, because I've been in situations where it's like, but this is my intellectual property. (laughs) But how amazing that God, even then to say, no, you don't totally see it yet, but let me pull back the curtain a little bit, do this on your nights and weekends, and then you get to keep it forever. I know. I mean, I'm really blown away by the whole thing. I feel like it was such an act of grace because I was, I'm such a planner and like, I have it all figured out. I'm going to do this and they're going to do this. And then when doors shut or delays happen, or I talk in a lot of my workshops about how we misinterpret the signs. So what we see as a stop sign, meaning we're going the wrong way. Or like when my boss told me, no, that was a stop sign. But when you face a stop sign driving, you don't park at your stop signs. You pause, we look both ways, we make sure it's clear, and then we proceed. And so often we misinterpret the signs. And so that sign of stopping was actually a provision from God that I didn't even know. And and it was interesting too, when I was writing my book, I hear a lot of people talk about how they want to write a book, but the best books are loaded with stories that takes a while to collect over a lifetime. And if you don't have time to write the book you want right now, or maybe you're not quite sure what book to write, but you feel at some point you have a story to tell, then just be patient, work on it, but realize that you're collecting your stories, collecting your credibility, collecting relationships. One of the reasons I got the book opportunity that I did with Thomas Nelson was because I was at Deloitte at the age I was, I had access to a lot of relationships with very senior executive women that I ended up interviewing, ended up interviewing 19 high power professional women who in my book talk about how they did the tools and how they got through it. And I would have never had those relationships 10 years earlier. God was giving me those connections. And it's just amazing when you look back and realize there's such a strategy going on though we never hardly ever feel it. Absolutely. It's almost like God gives us a picture or a vision of where we want to go. And then, so we think, okay, hurry up. And he's like, (laughs) I call it the hurry up and wait. Oh, that's so perfect. God kind of gives you a little peek and then you need all the tools and the resources and the experiences to get to where that's supposed to be. It's true. I think I had the opportunity to review your TED Talk a while ago. And not only did it move me to tears, I was like driving going, I can't see it. And it was just so beautiful. And 
while it's equally heart-wrenching, but also laced with God's goodness and His faithfulness, I would love to share just a little bit about your girls. Sure. Well, I love talking about it because it's all glory to God. And there's really two parts to that. The TED Talk is called My Dream Died, Now What? And it was at a season I capture in that TED Talk two intersecting seasons that were going on in our life. So when I married Ron, I mentioned that he gave me four teenage boys. Our oldest son, actually about three days before our wedding, had turned 20. So I dove in with Ron, helped raise the boys. They're my totally my sons in every respect of my heart. And they're married now and we've got four grandkids. And then along the way though, after Ron and I were married, I really wanted to have my own children. And so we tried, went through years of infertility, had a miscarriage, all kinds of heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And in the course of waiting for children, I was dreaming big. It's what I talk about. And I would write in my journal, I'm a double portion woman. I'm going to have twin baby girls. They're going to be named Victoria Joy and Isabella Grace because nothing's impossible with God. I wrote all this on my front porch one day. We were kind of in a fasting prayer week at the beginning of the year at our church. And I was dreaming big and bold and had read this book by Jackie Mize called Supernatural Pregnancy. And I was like, I'm going to go for God's bigness right here, miracles. So I wrote it down kind of looked at it and thought, oh, shared it with Ron. He was like, okay, you know, seems a little out of the box, but that's what I was believing for. Well, I have a lot of very believing girlfriends, which everyone needs, by the way. We all need friends who believe big with us. And so they grabbed hold of that desire of my heart for twins, and they just started believing for it and praying for it. And even long after, I sort of put it on the back burner and let it go as I turned 50 then and was getting older and wasn't happening. My girlfriends weren't letting go. So Fast forward a number of years, um, and I really felt like in those drought years, in my great devastating years of loss, the Lord kept saying to me, Lynette, your story, my glory. Well, have you ever had that moment where you didn't want your story? <laughs> Lord, can I trade this in right now? <laughs> this is not a story that's, in my way, giving you glory at all, but I kept feeling that. And so I just started declaring it. I would walk down the streets, see nannies and children and twins everywhere at times. And I was just like, God, in faith, my story, your glory, in faith, my story, your glory. Well, our third son, Jordan, was a junior at Oral Roberts University, was on a summer missions trip, had 21 nosebleeds, came home and was diagnosed with stage four sinus cancer on the day before he turned 21. Unforgettable for all of us. And so we all fought valiantly with him. He was the fighter that never relented. And the first round, he was healed and went back to school, met the love of his life, and came home about a year and a half later. He was now out of school working, uh, came home with his darling girlfriend, Katie, and only to be told in a routine follow up exam that the cancer had come back. So they got married right away. They fought together valiantly. And about six months after that return of the cancer, I get a call from a friend. She's like, do you still want twin girls? And I'm like, why are you asking? And turns out she'd been connected with a young woman who was pregnant with twins. And I thought this young woman's never going to pick us. We're older now. But sure enough, she called us on Christmas Eve and said to Ron and I, can you be ready in three weeks because you're the family for these girls? And they came the very next morning on Christmas morning. We were all together in, in our home in North Carolina, all the boys, their wives, everyone, because of Jordan's illness, we were really just there together. And we get the call that morning that the babies had been born. So we got our girls 
Victoria and Isabella. Before I could tell the story was so powerful, so beautiful on Christmas morning and not knowing at that time that three months later, Jordan would actually pass from the cancer. Mm. And so we were, we've been living these dual roads for the last nine years, you know, great joy in one path, in one lane of the highway and great loss in the other. And I think that is the juxtaposition of what so many of us live. But God has been faithful. And what he birthed out of Jordan's loss has been an extraordinary, extraordinary mission that our family is all about called Jordan Lewis Missions. And God doesn't replace, but he adds. So whatever you've lost, he may not be able to replace it or he may not choose to, but you will not be cheated because God always adds. And he has added so much in the midst of our loss. And we give him glory for our story. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. I cannot fathom the depth of pain while also trying to celebrate. Like, Mm -hmm. we were just gifted my dreams. And I love what you said about God adding to Mm -hmm. our story. And because he is faithful and celebrating the hope of heaven and the legacy that Jordan left, I'm sure is a sweet thing for you guys as a family and the gift of girls. How amazing. You said they're nine right now. They just turned nine on Christmas and they're in third grade. And you know, what's interesting, Wendy is, so now I just turned 61. So I've got little girls in third grade and I honestly feel right on time. We think so often as time is going along that we're losing time. But when we're in God's timing, we don't feel cheated. And so I feel like I'm right on time. I mean, I got all the other moms of their little kids and we all do life together and I feel right on time. I'm a grandma. I'm a stepmom. I've got my little girls. I mean, all these things mixed together. And what we worry so often that we're going to feel cheated, but I feel like the richest woman in the world not because I fought for all of it, but because God in his mercy Mm. gave it. He gave it in his time. And I want to speak to anyone listening today. Don't lose faith in your great God. When you're tempted to think he doesn't care or you're just at your wit's end. I mean, there's been so many moments where I thought, I can't wait another month for this particular thing, job-wise, career-wise, professionally, personally. And then you just wait one hour at a time And you look around all of a sudden and life changes and dreams come true and miracles happen. Miracles happen. And that's because God is faithful. And so that's why we need the word of God. That's why we need community because we read and remind ourselves that what he's done before he'll do again. And he has not forgotten you. Amen. Amen. That's so beautiful. Thank you. That's great. That was for me. Oh, good. (laughs) But also for our listeners. How encouraging. I love speaking with people that have gone before and they've seen the faithfulness of God because I think the enemy lies to us telling us we've missed, you know, if you're not somewhere certain by a certain age, that's not how God works. And I believe that God is no respecter of time. And when he does say it's time, it can happen overnight. It can. It happens so fast. I want to honor your time and I want to honor our listeners' time. Last few questions. I would love to hear what you're embarking on 
if you'd be willing to share. Sure. Um, we just made an announcement with your husband, and I think it's so exciting, this opportunity you guys have. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up. So we are getting ready to launch a video podcast. It's called, What Are You Thinking? It's going to feature so many of our wonderful, amazing experts and friends from all over, really talking about the power of your thought life, the power of what you put your mind to and your hands to. We'll cover all kinds of subjects from parenting to work stuff to faith stuff. It'll be a very big variety of subjects and topics that we talk on. The power of the mind and the brain and the thought life to really guide, direct, and and open up our lives to incredible possibilities. It will be on all the podcast platforms. We'll probably start, we're thinking April or May, and I will also be broadcasting on the Alkarma TV network, which a lot of us here in this part of the world haven't heard of, but they have an extensive, extraordinary reach into the Middle East. And we're really, it's a place in the world that Ron and I are very passionate about reaching. And so we'll have a chance to reach many, many millions of people over in that part of the world. So we're very encouraged about that as well. We've got a lot of great guests lined up and very excited about that. And then I'm taking this whole purpose work that I've been doing for a long, long time and looking We're launching a bunch of tools that will allow us to get it out to the world where you'll be able to really write your life purpose statement. And then most importantly, connect it to the life you've got now, the job, the networks, the people you've got now. And that program called My Why is going to be available here in the next couple of months as well. So just some new projects. I'm a big one in you never quit dreaming. I'm going to go out dreaming in my life because that's what tells our heart we're living, we're not dying, we're alive and well. And Mm -hmm. it's always fun to see what's coming next. Wow. How exciting. What a fun spring you have to look forward to. And we'll definitely be tuning in and cheering you guys on. And how fun to be able to host that show with your husband. I know. We think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's so interesting. Ron has been very much in the ministry his whole adult life, and I've been very much in the corporate world. But God just creatively kind of crosses, I think, because we're both such passionate Jesus lovers and kingdom people. We just find so much crossover in what we do, and we think it's going to be a a fun adventure to do together. That and also Jordan Lewis Missions, which became really an unplanned opportunity to reach the people where Jordan was when he was diagnosed, the unreached, unengaged people groups. And we've done extraordinary things over in the parts of the world that are very dark, very need of the gospel. And we know now that the amount of fruit that that has borne for the kingdom We just get excited that those lives are going to spend eternity with our beloved Jordan. And we know that Jordan would be very, very pleased with the seed of his life that has blossomed into much for the gospel. Oh, I love that. That is so neat. Okay, so how can people find out more about you, your resources? Social media, LinkedIn, of course, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. Also, my website, LynetteLewis.com. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can. there's a contact button there. You can reach me there. I try to put out little nuggets of encouragement, kind of mentoring moments professionally that can help you advance your career and all that. But yeah, just kind of all the main social media, I'm very active there, really with just a heart to keep people encouraged and, and equipped to go do do their dreams and live their purpose. Awesome. Well, listeners, I will tag all of that stuff in the show notes so that you can follow Lynette and be part of her journey. 
And last question, just because I love to ask all of my guests, and I know you answered a little bit of this previously, but what place would you say that you're between? And then how can we pray for you? Well, it's interesting. I would say that we divide our time somewhat between New York City and North Carolina. And my dilemma sometimes is I have things that I get to experience in New York City, but we live in a very tiny apartment and it's the craziness of New York City. And sometimes I just long to be in my home in Raleigh where I have a bigger kitchen and all these other things. But one of the things that I've learned is just to celebrate the gifts that I've got in front of me because everything has its gifts And it's so easy to want that one thing that we don't have. But for me, every day I wake up and I go, thank you, God, for wherever I am. And really take time in the mornings, especially to kind of level set. Okay, how can I maximize the gift that's today, the gift of where I'm at today, the season I'm in with my kids and all those other things. And it really shapes a heart of gratitude. And it makes the places between feel like part of the gift rather than just the kind of on-ramp for the gift, if that makes sense. Wow. Yes, absolutely. Well, we'll be praying for you. And that's great advice, even just to take ourselves of what season are you in and how can we be grateful where we're at? So thank you, Lynette. You are such a gift even to me. And I've just so enjoyed getting to chat with you further. And I'm sure listeners were able to glean from your wisdom and I just pray blessings upon you and your husband. And thanks for your time today. You're doing great work. Thanks for having me. I feel very honored to be part of your work and, and what you stand for. And I know we'll see each other again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. We will tag all of those things in the show notes and just make sure you give Lynette a follow. And thanks for joining us on The Places Between. We'll catch you again next time. I'm over here cheering you on, friend. You just finished another episode of the Places Between podcast. If you want to access more, be sure to subscribe or visit theplacesbetween.com to learn more about our guests, episode sponsors, upcoming retreats, and more. Like Stay in the Story, a 25-day devotional all about staying in your story while you wait on your dreams, on God, and on life to come to fruition. And lastly, if you're looking for an online community of people who also want to transition well, then come say hi over on Instagram at The Places Between. As always, thanks for taking time to dive into The Places Between. Until next time, keep enjoying that journey.